0: We're in week six of our series, Unlikely Heroes, where we've been looking at ordinary people that God uses to do extraordinary things. And uh, today we're going to conclude our study uh, on Gideon. And uh, Gideon was uh, an unlikely war hero. Uh, When we find him in Judges 6, he was literally hiding in a wine press, uh, threshing wheat, uh, and trying to keep from getting killed by the Midianites. Uh, Gideon was just a normal guy. Uh, there were no qualifying characteristics that would make him uh, hero material. Uh, he wasn't a seasoned leader. He didn't come from a powerful family line. There was nothing about him. He wasn't exceptionally strong, wise, or gifted in any way. Wasn't necessarily good looking. He was just a man that God chose to be a hero amongst his people and lead his people to overcome the Midianites. Now he had some challenges to overcome uh, he didn 't always take God at his word. Uh, he needed proof. you ever been there? you know he needed proof and then when he got proof, he needed more proof. Uh, so you could say that faith wasn 't necessarily his strong suit, uh, and yet in time he, he eventually obeyed and did what God called him to do. He had to deal with some family idolatry issues. His dad had, had uh, you know put up a uh, an altar to Baal and Asherah. And so he had to go home and deal with these idols uh, at his dad's house before he could be used by God. And, uh, and then even after all that he'd seen God do, he still needed additional proof. And we talked about that last week. He, he put out a fleece and then he needed another fleece. He, just, he knew what God wanted him to do. He was just looking for an off ramp. He was looking for an escape clause. He was looking for a way that he could get out of what God had called him to do. Have you ever been there? Well, we're going to pick up our story there where we left off last week. So we're in Judges chapter 7. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Early in the morning, Jerob that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remain. Let's pause and pray, and then we'll jump into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, we come together this morning to lift up your name, to worship you. God, you are a good God, a powerful God, a loving God, a merciful God. And God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you, God, that you, you give us what we don't deserve and certainly don't give us what we do deserve. Uh, Father, uh, we, just, we just worship you this morning. God, as we look at the life of Gideon today, may we learn some lessons. Father, may we see how big you are and how small we are. Uh, Father, I pray that you would speak to hearts today. God, I believe that you are, you are calling some unlikely heroes to arise in this generation, in this geography, because you want to do something significant. Because, God, you are on the move. Because, God, you want to do something in southwest Florida. You want to, you want to reach every man, woman, and child in this area with the gospel. And so, God, I pray that you would, you would just call some people. I pray that you would, you would just tap some folks in the heart. Lord, and tell them what you'd have them do. So, Lord, we just dedicate these few moments unto you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me. God, these good folks to come today to hear from you, not from me. So may I fade into the background, and God, may you just do a mighty work in this place, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see in the text here as we started off that uh, as often happened in the Old Testament times when God was beginning to work with somebody, their name would be changed and his name was changed to Jerob uh, uh, Baal. But we're going to just continue to call him Gideon throughout our our sermon today. Um, Gideon had called men from the tribes of Israel to prepare for battle uh, with the Midianites. And this was going to be a large battle. We know from Uh, Judges chapter 8, verse 10, that the Midianites had massed 135,000 soldiers ready to uh, just come in and take over the land. They were camped just north of Gideon's location. Uh, If you want some kind of a comparison, uh, there are about 150,000 active duty troops in the United Kingdom, Uh, so Army, Air Force, Navy, the United Kingdom has about 150,000 active duty troops. Midian had 135,000. So, you know, here we have Gideon. He's about ready to take on what would be the equivalent of the entire uh, UK military. So they were outnumbered by a ratio of four to one. So Midian had four times as many people as Gideon did. So if I was Gideon, I'd probably be looking for more men because the odds were clearly not in his favor. And yet God came to Gideon in the passage we just read and he said this. He said, you have too many men. Now that doesn't make much sense, does it? Because that's exactly opposite what of a military-minded person, a strategist would say. He would say, we need more people, not less people. So God told Gideon to dismiss anyone who trembled with fear. Now, can you just, in your mind, envision Gideon standing in front of all of his troops there? You know, he's got some 30 32,000 troops in front of him, he says, all right, men, we are outnumbered. They have us by four to one odds. This is going to be a tough battle. It's not going to be easy. We're going to need you to work hard. So if any of you are scared or afraid, you can go home. <laughs> and, and I imagine the men probably looked at each other like, what did he just say? Did he, if you're scared or fearful, you can go home? That's what he said. They probably thought Gideon lost his mind because it sounds absurd. Yet, it's what he said, anybody who wants to go home can go home, and guess what? 22,000 of them went home. Now the odds were changed. Now the odds were 13 to one. So God here started stripping down Gideon and his army So that they would be completely dependent on God. And in the end, God would be the one that gets all the glory. So perhaps, if you were Gideon and you're in his mind, maybe he's thinking, okay, 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 okay. Maybe, maybe what God is doing here is he's paring this down. But what he's doing is he's weeding out the fat and lazy people you know, that, that aren't going to be able to run very fast. And he's going to leave me with the nimble and the quick and the smart and the talented and the ferocious. Maybe I'm going to have the Delta Force. Maybe I'm going to have the Navy SEALs. Maybe I'm going to have the Army Rangers here. We may be outnumbered, but we aren't outmanned. We're going we're gonna to do this. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna nail them. Verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one will go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. You know, sometimes God asks us to do things that just don't make sense from our perspective. Right? Sometimes God's going to ask you to do some things in your life that just doesn't make sense. You don't see how this is all going to work together. How this is going to how this could possibly work out in a way that's good or favorable. And this is probably one of those times. If I was Gideon, I'd be very nervous. Verse five. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There, the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred of them drank with from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Wow. This is a really unusual separating exercise, right? (laughs) He says, here's how we're going to do this. Anybody that just walks over, gets down on all four, sticks or face in the water and starts to drink, they go home. But anybody who kneels down, brings the water up to the hands and doesn't even pull it back, but actually laps it like a dog, those are the ones that you're gonna keep. Now, I don't know, I've read commentaries and there's actually different sides on this, whether these people were good because they had situational awareness and that they were always Always looking around, or if they were just weird, you know. I mean, who does that? Who laps like a dog? You know, I don't know. But either way, three hundred of them made the cut. Now the odds are four hundred and fifty to one. Gideon's army has been reduced by ninety-nine percent. He started with over thirty thousand. He's down to three hundred. He's down to the last one percent. And I'm not sure one percenters are the people you want in a foxhole with you, you know. <laughs> but that's what he did here. I was I was preparing this, I was thinking, you know, God doesn't need you or me to fight his battles. He doesn't need us. And I think he's I think he's kind of sending that message to Gideon here, right? So many times we think, oh, we've got to do this and we've got to make this happen. But the reality is God doesn't need you or me to fight his battles. In fact, it's an honor to be selected by God, to be part of his battle plans. So if the odds are 450 to 1 as long as God is on our side, then those are, the odds are in our favor. Amen? Amen. We just have to trust him. When we go to battle in our own strength and our own power using our own plans if we win the battle then our tendency is to think look what I did. Our tendency is to think look how successful I am. Look look how my strategies work. Look how my plans came together. But here's the reality God has no interest in sharing his glory with you or with me. Because it's not about us it's only about him. What did God tell Gideon, he said, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. Look, I cannot, I cannot deliver Midian into your hands or Israel would boast against me saying my strength, my own strength has saved me. So God said right here, I'm paring them down because I want to show myself powerful on your behalf. I want you to see that it really isn't about you at all. I'm going to do this. I'm going to deliver them into your hands. So, don't get it in your head that you did this. I'm doing this for you. I wonder how many battles we fight in our own strength and in our own might. And I wonder how many times I've taken credit for victories that God has won. So many times we look at what we did and we say, wow, we're so successful. I've achieved so much. I've worked hard and done all kinds of great things and I've been I've been successful. I wonder how many times God says, "Hmm. Are you taking credit for something that I've done in your life?" It's it's very powerful that that hap- very possible that, that happens. Our success in life, if we can just be gut level honest, isn't because of our hard work and brilliance or luck or good fortune. Our success in life is because God's favor has been upon us. And I don't know why. I don't know why God favors some people more than others, at least from from a worldly standpoint. I don't know why when Jesus was telling the parable of the talents, he said, you get one, you get two, and you get five. Well, why did this one get one and this one get five? I don't know. That's God's prerogative, right? I think if you get one, you should be happy with one. And if you get five, you should be happy with five. But understand... With five comes greater responsibility. Those who have more are responsible for more. And there's a, there's a greater accountability. David understood this, that, that God just chooses to bless us. In Psalm 5, verse 12, it says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. So God's favor and his blessing are not guaranteed results of a prayer that we prayed, maybe we prayed and got saved, and we think, oh, all of a sudden, you know, God's obligated to bless me. Now, I think blessing comes from obedience to God's word. I think that as we're obedient, God blesses us. God blesses our obedience. Gideon had to obey in order to be blessed by God, right? He had to go through the steps of paring down the military, of doing everything that God told him to do, we need to simply follow the Lord's commands. And that's true today, just as true as it was in the days of Gideon. God is generous towards us when we follow his commands. When our walk is blameless. Psalm 84, verse 11 says, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is what? Blameless. Blameless. God calls us to be blameless. God calls us to walk in his way, to be obedient to his word, to know his word and then obey his word, to listen to his calling, to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit of God when he calls us, when he taps us on the shoulder and says, I want you to do this, I want you to go there, I want you to give that. When, when we obey what God calls us to do, then he blesses. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean that it's going to be easy going the whole way. Jesus and his disciples across the sea, they got in the boat and they went out and they came in across the storm and they were scared to death and Jesus comes walking along in the storm, right? They cry out to Jesus, he comes over to the boat and Peter says, hey, I wanna walk on water, that looks cool. And Lord says, come on. Peter steps out of the boat and as long as he keeps his eyes on Jesus, he's walking. He takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts to sink. You know, the same thing happens to us. When we start thinking, look what I'm doing. Instead of look what God is doing in me or through me. So we need to be careful. God doesn't want to share his glory with you or me or anyone else. We need to recognize that he's the one. So we need to keep our eyes on him. We need to follow his way. We need to obey his commands. And when we do, we enjoy God's blessings. For 2 Chronicles 16:9, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed. To him. And you know, I believe God is still looking for people today whose hearts are fully committed to him. People who just want to obey him and do what he says to do. So, to go back to the story here, God had paired Gideon's army down to 300. So, at this point, perhaps Gideon was thinking, well, you know what? Maybe God is going to give us some kind of a new technologically advanced weapon. He's going to put it in our hands. So we only need 300. Perhaps he's going to give us some kind of a sword with super sharp blades. And so ours, it'll be more effective. Or maybe he's going to give us a javelin that'll fly twice as far as the one the Midianites have. Or, or maybe he's going to give us a high altitude weather balloon that easy, <laughs> easily blows off course with the winds. <laughs> Who knows, Right. <laughs> Gideon wakes up his men and says, time, it's, Guys, it's time to go to battle. Verse 15 Get up! The Lord has given the midnight camp into our hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. <laughs> Gideon's like, Are you kidding me? So you're going to battle. In your left hand, you get a trumpet. Your right hand, you get an empty jar, but don't worry, there's a torch in the jar. <laughs> These are unconventional weapons, to say the least. Verse 17. Gideon says, watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Now these weren't musical trumpets that you could make nice sounding. These were the shofar. These were just kind of a ram's horn that just makes a noise. So just, you know, just follow my lead here when I do this. And then, and then I want you to shout for the Lord and for Gideon. If you were part of the 300 men, you've, got to be, you've just got to really begin questioning this battle plan, right? This whole strategy, you've got to be are you really sure you have heard from God on this? Because if not, this is my last day on earth, you know? Verse 19, Gideon, the 100 men with him, reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch just after they had charged, changed the guard. They blew their trumpets, broke their jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew their trumpets, smashed the jars, "'Grasping the torches in their left hand "'and holding in their right hands the trumpets "'they were to blow, "'they shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. "'While each man held his position around the camp, "'all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. "'When the 300 trumpets sounded, "'the Lord caused the men throughout the camp "'to turn on each other with their swords.'" And now you go, okay. Okay, I see what God's doing here. God wanted to show Israel that he was still fighting their battles. Because he said, you don't even get to take a sword to this battle. Oh, there's going to be a lot of people killed with a sword, but it isn't going to be yours. He did it in such a way that could only be explained by saying, God did it. God did it. I don't know about you, but I want to be part of something that's so big and so amazing that when we're all done, we can just say, God did it. (laughs) You know, God did it. This wasn't something I did, something anybody else did. God did this. And He surely did. He, He secured a complete victory for the children of Israel. All Gideon had to do was obey the Lord's instructions. All Gideon had to do was do exactly what the Lord had told him to do. God didn't ask Gideon for advice, God didn't ask Gideon for his opinion. God didn't need a large army. He just responded to Gideon's faith. He just responded to the obedience that Gideon displayed. I don't think Gideon had any idea of what was going to happen when he went. I don't, th- I don't even think personally, I don't think Gideon knew that what was going to happen when he blew the trumpet and, and when they broke the, broke the jar and and held up the torch, I think Gideon was waiting to see just as much as everybody else there as to what exactly is God going to do here? How is this going to work? I don't think he knew until he started to watch it all play out right in front of him. You see, I think God just wants us to trust him and not try and figure it all out. How much time do we spend trying to figure everything out in our lives? Trying to figure out what God's doing instead of just trusting God. Obeying God. Doing what God leads us to do. In the end, Gideon and his crew of 300 slaughtered 120,000 Midianites. He delivered them from the oppressive hands of their enemies. Judges 8 verse 28, thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again. During Gideon's lifetime, the land had peace for 40 years. Gideon became an unlikely hero, and they lived in peace for 40 years. Aren't you glad that God sees the best in us even when we don't see it in ourselves? When I talk about the fact that I believe God is calling unlikely heroes, in our minds, most of us start thinking, yeah, that's somebody else, but not me. God couldn't use me. Not, you know, if if God knows me and God knows me, then God's not going to pick me. That's probably the same thing Gideon would have said. But you might be surprised. You might be the exact one that God wants to use because God usually uses the one you least expect. And you might be that person. We're so quick to be dismissive of God's call in our lives, we just don't think it's going to be us. It's so common for us to think, well, I'm unprepared. I'm unqualified to step into God's calling. There's somebody better. Hey, listen, in our minds, we always think there's somebody better. But God says, I'm not looking for anybody better. I'm looking for you. I'm looking for your willingness to say yes to me. We struggle to understand what God sees in us. I don't know why God would choose to use any of us, to be quite honest. We're all sinners, right? person on your left, person on your right, they're all sinners. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we're all sinners. Why God would choose to use any of us is beyond me. So many of us face doubts. I love the fact that God put this story in the Bible for us to see it because it reminds us that we're capable. We're capable to be obedient to be God and be used by him because it's not about our strength, it's not about what we do, it's about what God may want to do through us. Gideon was successful in his call because he allowed God to use him. Can I ask you, have you ever told God, God, you're allowed to use me? God, I'm available. What do you wanna do in my life? As we get older, we we, we love to use the age card, right? Say, well, I'm too old. That's good for you, young whippersnappers. Oh, Abraham was 80, you know? I could start listing off all the people that God used and most of them were well up in years. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. God may want to use you today. You just need to be willing to say yes. Now, I think it's important to remember that even though Gideon was called by God, his calling wasn't easy. God did give him victory, but. He still had to go out and they had, they still had to go kill the 120,000. It wasn't like it was done. I mean, you know, God did this, they started to kill each other, but then they, they pursued them, they chased after them, they drove them up completely out of land. There was still some battle to do. They still had to follow the Lord's command and chase them down. There's still gonna be some tough times. I think we're in a battle right now in our country I think we're we're fighting a culture war. I think battle lines are clearly being defined. And the hearts of our children and grandchildren are at stake. And to the victor go the spoils. I believe that. I heard a powerful statement this week that said, in the race to the heart of the next generation, the first one there wins. church, we need to be the first ones there. But let me tell you, big media companies, big theme parks, they're getting there first, right? They're getting there and they're instilling their values. They're instilling their morals, their philosophy, their values. There is an agenda. It is being pushed and we can can ignore it. We can be oblivious to it, but it's the truth we're going to reach the hearts of the next generation we need to get there first we need to reach these kids absolutely imperative we need to be in the schools we need to be out in the neighborhoods we need to be coming alongside young parents and helping them as they rear their children that's why children's ministry is so important it's why youth ministry is so important so much of what we're doing in the new campus we are we are committing a significant portion of our new facility to youth and children's ministries because that is the that is where the battle takes place that is where we need to be putting our emphasis we have got to reach children with the gospel and i think god may want to use some of you in this battle The reality is you might be able to be a hero to somebody. Oh, maybe you're not going to lead a big battle. Maybe you're not going to lead a large organization, but you could be a hero to a kid. You could help tutor a second grader or a fourth grader. You could work in children's ministry or youth ministry. Or you, could, you could help. You could do something. You can get involved. You can, be part of the, you can be part of the battle. What you can't do is you can't ignore what's going on around us. Church, we cannot doubt our ability to affect change in our culture. We've got to do it. We can't let fear hold us back. God weeded out all the fearful people for Gideon. All those people who are afraid and those people that are trembling and those people that just don't see how it could happen. I'm not sure how this is going to work. All right, you, you all go home. Adventure Church, we're taking the battle to the streets. We're training, equipping, and coaching leaders and pastors in 11 different countries, 27 different training centers, and growing. 800 students currently involved in our program. I think it'll be over 1,000 by the end of the year. I think we're gonna be looking at several thousands in the near future. I don't think we realize the impact that this little church is having around the world. But God is doing it, it isn't us, it's God that's doing it. We're just saying, okay Lord, what do you want us to do? We're in the schools each week, we are in FCA's all across Collier County. Aubrey and Pastor Sean, they're out there. They're in the schools, they're on the sidelines with with, with the sports teams. They're getting it done. We have youth group every Wednesday night, 30, 40 kids coming out. As I said, our new campus is strategically designed to reach young people with the gospel. We're launching the Venture Cares mobile market as a way to reach out to the under-resourced and the overburdened in our community. You know, it's hard to listen to the gospel when your stomach is growling, right? When you're not sure where the next meal's gonna come from. And we can be oblivious to the fact by just looking around at all the manicured yards and all the nice homes in this community we can just think that everybody here has plenty of food and i'm just here to tell you that's not the reality for about a third of the people in this community it's tough last year i preached a sermon series called love does and i think we just need to we we need to make love an action verb you know that it's something that we actually do. We get out there and we do greater works. We get out there and we meet people's needs. I believe God is calling some unlikely heroes into the battle. And it might just be you. We need some prayer warriors who are willing to hit their knees and to tap into the power of God. We need prayer warriors. We need generous givers to release the resources to fund the vision. And to fuel the engines of ministry. All of this doesn't happen on hope and happy wishes. You know, it takes the generosity. I, don't, I hardly ever talk, you never hear me talk about money here. We don't pass an offering plate. I want to stick a plate under a first time guest knows. But everything that we do here, we're able to do because of the generosity of God's people. I encourage you to be a part of that. We need people to serve, to volunteer, to get involved. We need to recognize that we are in a battle for the next generation. And if we lose this war, the results will be devastating. So I hope you're willing to step up, step out, step in, because you, you were made for this moment. God has put everything together in your life, brought you to this moment, to this location, to hear this message so that you can say, God, what do you want me to do? And all I'm asking you, I have no idea what God wants you to do. I just want you to say, God, yes. Whatever you want me to do, God, the answer is yes. You reveal it to me however you want to reveal it to me. But to me, God, the answer is yes. My friends, you were made for this moment. Let's step into it, Amen." amen? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we recognize that we are In a culture war we have an enemy we have a powerful enemy God you told us that in this world we would face tribulation you've called us to be overcomers you've called us to be your ambassadors God you've called us to be men and women of faith You've called us to trust you, even when it doesn't make sense, to obey you without question. Because God, whatever it is you call us to do, whatever you lead us to do, God, we want you to get the glory. We're not looking for how we can, through synergy, pull all of our resources together to do something significant. That's not what we're looking for. God, we want... We want to say yes to you and then we want to see you work through us. That way you receive the glory. God, help us to reach this community with the gospel. Help us to reach the schools and the children in this community. Help us to pour the truth into these young children's lives that they may, they may not walk down a path that leads them away from you, but God, that they would step into faith and trust in who you are. So God, help us. Help us to spark a movement of God in Southwest Florida. Use us, God, to bring glory and honor to you and to fulfill that which you've called us to do. And God, I pray, I pray that you would call some unlikely heroes right out of this room today. You'd speak to hearts. And God, our answer would be yes, whatever you want me to do, Lord. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship this morning. Look forward to what you're gonna do, God. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen and amen. Let's all stand as we sing our final song this morning.